Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and we are diving into a big book study today of the Blue Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And today we're going to tackle a chapter that is, in my opinion, one of the most important pivot points of our journey to find a solution. And that's called We Agnostics, because in here we're going to learn a lot about our own prejudices towards the concept of a higher power or God or this power greater than ourselves that can help us achieve that sobriety we're after. And it seems so crazy out there. You know, what are we really after here? So today in the first part of it, uh, what we're after is an understanding of the importance and type or pathway to a spiritual experience. In some parts of the big book, it was called a spiritual awakening. And there's some history behind that, and I would encourage you to go and learn about that because the history is, is really great, how alcoholics work together to settle these issues. Um, even so, uh, we want to start off with a, an appendix in the back of the book. There's Appendix 2, and it's called The Spiritual Experience, or Appendix 2 Spiritual Experience, and I think it's on 567 of your big book, and you can turn back to that. And just, I'll read it off to you. I'm not going to give a lot of commentary on this. It sort of speaks for itself. But it says, The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. So it's not religious or any of that. There's no particular thing that you're after which bothers me. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I want, I want a goal. Somebody give me a goal. It says, yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. So there's our description of it, right? The spiritual experience isn't necessarily a white light experience like Bill W. describes, and it's not necessarily a, some sudden deep understanding. It's a difference in how we think and how we act. It's a change in that. And so he puts it in here that we finally realize that we've undergone a profound alteration in our reaction to life. So when you realize that, you're in the midst of one of these experiences. That such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone, meaning that we've all wanted that to happen, right? We all have regrets and wishes that we had reacted differently, and we continually 
made the same mistakes. And for the sake of our conversation in this big book study, we fail to keep the commitments that we make. And that's kind of what he's talking about there. What often takes place in a few months could hardly be accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. So it's not outside in the world. It's not a tree or a doorknob or all these different things sometimes you hear in meetings. It's an inner power. It's something that's greater than you, that is within you, and you want to tap that resource. Most of us think that this awareness, so the spiritual experience results in awareness, in, aware, in an awareness. Most of us think that this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of our spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual principles. Here's a really important sentence. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial, by an attitude, by a way of approaching this, being intolerant or belligerent. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. So what we're after here to get this spiritual experience is not a particular belief, because we'll come to that belief as this works, right? Does it work or not? That'll tell us whether we believe it or not. It's not a doctrine or a dogma or criteria or a discipline. It's none of those things. What it is, is willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness will leave us, lead us to an awareness that things are changing in our life, that we have changed our attitude towards life, that our attitude has come up to be different and how we see things is different. And that this has come from inside of us, that this inner power has developed inside of us that we're able to use. So there's this guy, Ernest Holmes, and he likes to say, there's a power greater than you, and it is good, and you can use it. So as we transition out of that, uh, what we're going to do today is, is read through We Agnostics, the first part of it, and we're going to end where it suggests we read that spiritual experience. And I hope that your group goes back and reads that experience again when we're done with this particular piece, because a lot is in there. And what we're trying to do with this first piece is understand that we're going to be okay. And it doesn't really matter what you believe or think. And it doesn't matter if you've had a bad religious experience. And it doesn't matter if you've had no religious experience. None of that matters. <laughs> and um, I don't know about you, but this alcoholic likes to think all of that matters. My opinion matters. My experience matters. What I think matters and he's going to tell us it doesn't. So he opens it up like this. In the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. We hope we have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. Here comes that distinction. If, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if, when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. If that 
be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. The one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. And just to qualify, the atheist doesn't believe there's any type of thing, you know, out there. And the agnostic, Gnosticism meaning knowledge, is somebody who thinks there's just no proof of it. Those are simple descriptions of those places in case you're not sure which one you are. Equally damning in this whole thing is the person so certain of their religious discipline that they aren't open-minded, honest, and willing to follow this. Anyway, but it says, to one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But to continue as he is means disaster, especially if he is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. So Bill believes that this is your choice. Do you want to live on a spiritual basis, or do you want to continue to live the life that brought you to your first AA meeting? He goes on, but it isn't so difficult. Thank goodness for that, right? About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it is going to be that way with you. But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us. No matter how much we tried, we could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might. But the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. And he said, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? So he's outlining for us a really simple idea, that if we could choose to not be alcoholic, and we could choose to not have our current relationship problems, and if we could choose not to have the financial and legal and professional issues in our life. And if we could choose not to have the physical ailments that have come along, things like liver conditions and kidney problems and all these different things. And if we could choose to feel happy more often than not, if we could choose these things, surely we would have already achieved it. Surely it would have already been available to us. Instead, the chapter before brought us to this idea We have found a place of incomprehensible demoralization, and I guarantee you we did not choose that. No one woke up and said, hey, I'm going to see if I can really demoralize myself quite thoroughly today, right? So I think that this is what Bill's getting at. If we could have chose differently, we would have. If we had the power in us to do it, we would have done it. So he goes on. Well, that's exactly what this book is about. The book is about finding a relationship with God. That's what the book is about. And he talks about God in the book as the creator, the creator God, not some, you know, transitional thing, but that's what he's talking about, right? So what you want to do is 
figure out your own understanding of that. You know, it can be in science. It can be in physics. It's certainly documented well across religions. And there's also different spiritual disciplines. There's all kinds of ways to approach this. But this book, the AA program, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the primary objectives is to find the power greater than yourself. Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. You were unable to, so you need this power. You're requesting this power. You require this power. That means we have written a book, that's this book, which we believe to be a spiritual as well as moral. And it means, of course, that we are going to talk about God. Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. But his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. For we have reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. I mean, tell me there's few things more annoying than a religious zealot bringing up God in the midst of horrible calamity, right? Even if it's self-inflicted, even if it is alcoholism, it's almost like, seriously, you know, I'm going to take this thing you're talking about and that's somehow going to make it better. Well, they, they seem to suggest that that's true in here. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. Is that you? Is that you? Because we're asking you to step off that pedestal for a moment. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. And when, they, when you talk about that, you might be talking about, but, you know, bad things happen to good people and good people, you know, don't always get the good things. Why is that? And why do bad people get good things? Why is there tragedy, war, rape, murder? You know, why is all this out in the world? And this, this explanation can sometimes seem so inadequate. And in our study of the big book, we're going to learn something different. And I'm going to give you a little prelude to that. That is that we are there going to be the good people that happen to bad things. We, you and me, the recovered alcoholic, are going to be the good people that happen to bad things. And that's the challenge. So it gets... It gets even better here. It says, with that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Yet, in other moments, we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a starlit night, who, then, made all of this? There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Yes, we of agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences, let us make haste or hurry. Let us get on this right now. We want to make this really important to you is what he's telling us. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside our prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results. 
even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. So let's take a minute on that for a second. You don't have to believe anything. There's nothing that is required of you other than the willingness, the willingness. And we're going to revisit this idea throughout the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Willingness is the most valuable thing you're going to take from this book because through willingness, all things are possible. Notice he didn't say that even if you have a littlest bit of faith, notice he didn't say that even if you believe just just a sentence or two of this religious document or this particular prayer or anything like that, it was just a state of mind, an honest, open mind that's willing to accept the idea that you didn't make it. And, you know, one of the most obvious things in this whole deal is that we didn't make it, right? And we know it. And we know it. We didn't make a tree. Some, something out there is expert at designing and implementing trees, right? DNA or whatever. And we know it's not us. So that's kind of the idea. Much to our relief, he goes on to say, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. Think about that for a second. Whatever conception you have, if you're willing to move forward with it, it will work. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction provided we took other simple steps. So there's more to do to get a greater understanding, right? Practice, practice, practice. So practice means to build in skill and knowledge. And that's what he's talking about. We're going to practice this thing. And he offered us another definition of God, the creative intelligence, and yet another definition of God, a spirit of the universe. Notice that he's not talking about doorknobs and trees and inanimate objects. So we look out into this world and we say, what is it? And we hear in our group, good orderly direction or group of drunks. Those are things that you can't assemble, right? You didn't put the AA meeting together. It was there for you. That's what helps that group of drunks be your higher power. And you didn't organize the series of events that makes the world work, but it is here for you. And that is that good orderly direction. So those are two other ways that you'll hear it often said in meetings. So it goes on to say, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions, which you find in this book. So, you know, religion wants to think it owns a lot of different terms out there, words like faith, for instance, and it doesn't. And those terms are going to be in here. And what he wants you to know is that as we move forward, it's your conception of those expressions. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth. 
But if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Here's the qualifier. He's got them in every chapter. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. So we're not going after that spiritual experience here. We're going to stop right there. That asterisk goes along with reading the spiritual experience at appendix in the big book again, and I hope you do, and revisit what he's saying that the benefit of this is. It's not trying to convert somebody to religion, and it's not trying to convert somebody to some crazy set of circumstances that are just purely mystical, you know, that, that have no tangible effect. What he's saying is, if the results pan out, if you do what we ask you to do, and you get something a lot like what you're after. In my case, I would say I got a whole lot more than I ever thought possible. If you follow the directions and you get a great result, would you believe it then? You know, don't believe anything. Just come see how this works and follow the directions and see what happens. So if you guys are going to ask yourself a question today, it, it might be this. What is your conception of God and how did you arrive at it? Did you work with a sponsor? Is it some uh, religious text? And remember, the two liabilities here are the people that are certain, right? The certain atheist or absolutely is no God and the certain religious zealot that's absolutely sure they have the right brand and the right dude and the right book and all that. Those are the major handicaps. And the ones in between, us agnostics that say, hey, there's just no proof. We're least handicapped so long as... So long as we can be willing to see the result that can come from doing this work. And if we're willing to see the result that comes from doing this work, we may find that our attitude towards life has dramatically changed. So let's talk about how we want that to happen in our life if we're new. Let's talk about how we struggle with this concept of God. Maybe you need to, you know, dump out your conception of God that you've taken from childhood and get some information in a meeting or from a sponsor on how that can be different. There's lots of exercises on finding a higher power. There's things, and many sponsors have different ways they like to do it, all of which are good. In the end, remember, as we have these discussions, that it's everyone's individual conception of God. And whether I think they're right or wrong doesn't matter. I hope you guys have a good talk.